Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and I'm reading today from the words of John Bunyan, who lived from 1628 to 1688, and as you know, wrote The Pilgrim's Progress. Did a lot of other things in his life, and one thing was that he wrote this little booklet called Prayer. We're going to finish it up today. We're talking about the application of all the things that he's taught so far, the meaning of prayer, and prayer with the Spirit, and prayer with the understanding, and in the application, last time we talked about a word of information. Today we'll talk about a word of encouragement and a word of reproof. And therefore, secondly, he says, to speak a word by way of encouragement to the poor, tempted and cast down, to pray to God through Christ. Though all prayer that is accepted of God in reference to eternal life must be in the Spirit, or that only maketh intercession for us according to the will of God. Yet because many poor souls may have the Holy Spirit working on them and stirring of them to groan unto the Lord for mercy, though through unbelief they do not, nor for the present cannot believe that they are the people of God, such as he delights in, yet forasmuch as the truth of grace may be in them, therefore I shall to encourage them, lay down further these few particulars. First, that scripture in Luke 11.8 is very encouraging to any poor soul that doth hunger after Christ Jesus. In verses 5 to 7, he speaketh a parable of a man that went to his friend to borrow three loaves, who, because he was in bed, denied him. Yet for his importunity's sake, he did arise and give him, clearly signifying that though poor souls, through the weakness of their faith, cannot see that they are the friends of God, yet they should never leave asking, seeking, and knocking at God's door for mercy. Mark, saith Christ, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, or restless desires, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Poor heart, thou criest out that God will not regard thee. Thou dost not find that thou art a friend to him, but rather an enemy in thine heart by wicked works. And thou art as, as though thou didst hear the Lord saying to thee, Trouble me not, I cannot give unto thee, as he in the parable. Yet I say, Continue knocking, crying, moaning, and bewailing thyself. I tell thee, Though he will not rise and give thee, because thou art his friend, yet because of thy importunity he will arise and give thee as many as thou needest. The same in effect you have discovered in the parable of the unjust judge and the poor widow. Her importunity prevailed with him. And verily, mine own experience tells me that there is nothing that doth more prevail with God than importunity. Is it not so with you in respect of your beggars that come to your door? Though you have no heart to give them anything at their first asking, yet if they follow you, bemoaning themselves, and will take no nay without an alms, you will give them. For their continual begging overcometh you. Are there bowels in you that are wicked, and will they be wrought upon by an importuning beggar? Go thou and do the like. It is a prevailing motive and that by good experience. He will arise and give thee as many as thou needest. Secondly, another encouragement for a poor, 
trembling, convinced soul is to consider the place, throne, or seat on which the great God hath placed himself to hear the petitions and prayers of poor creatures, and that is a throne of grace, the mercy seat, which signifieth that in the days of the gospel God hath taken up his seat, his abiding place, in mercy and forgiveness, and from thence he doth intend to hear the sinner and to commune with him, as he saith, speaking before of the mercy seat, and there I will meet with thee. Mark, it is upon the mercy seat, there I will meet with thee, and there I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat. Poor souls, they are very apt to entertain strange thoughts of God and his carriage towards them, and suddenly to conclude that God will have no regard unto them, when yet he is upon the mercy seat, and hath taken up his place on purpose there, to the end he may hear and regard the prayers of poor creatures. If he had said, I will commune with thee from my throne of judgment, then indeed you might have trembled and fled from the face of the great and glorious majesty. But when he saith he will hear and commune with souls upon the throne of grace, or from the mercy seat, this should encourage thee, and cause thee to hope, nay, to come boldly unto the throne of grace, that thou mayest obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 3. There is yet another encouragement to continue in prayer with God, and that is this. As there is a mercy seat from whence God is willing to commune with poor sinners, so there is also by his mercy seat Jesus Christ, who continually besprinkleth it with his blood. Hence it is called the blood of sprinkling. When the high priest under the law was to go into the holiest, where the mercy seat was, he might not go in without blood. Why? Because though God was upon the mercy seat, yet he was perfectly just as well as merciful. Now the blood was to stop justice from running out from the persons concerned in the intercession of the high priest, as in Leviticus 16, to signify that all thine unworthiness that thou fearest should not hinder thee from coming to God in Christ for mercy. Thou criest out that thou art vile, and therefore God will not regard thy prayers. It is true, if thou delight in thy vileness, and come to God out of a mere pretense. But if from a sense of thy vileness thou do pour out thy heart to God, desiring to be saved from the guilt and cleansed from the filth, with all thy heart, fear not. Thy vileness will not cause the Lord to stop his ear from hearing of thee. The value of the blood of Christ, which is sprinkled upon the mercy seat, stops the course of justice and opens a floodgate for the mercy of the Lord to be extended unto thee. Thou hast therefore, as aforesaid, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. That hath made a new and living way for thee. Thou shalt not die. Hebrews 10. Besides, Jesus is there not only to sprinkle the mercy seat with his blood, but he speaks, and his blood speaks. He hath audience, and his blood hath audience, insomuch that God saith, When he doth but see the blood, he will pass over you, and the plague shall not be unto you. Exodus twelve thirteen. I shall not detain you any longer. Be sober and humble. Go to the Father in the name of the Son, 
and tell him your case in the assistance of the Spirit, and you will then feel the benefit of praying with the Spirit and with the understanding also. Now a word of reproof. First, this speaks sadly to you who never pray at all. I will pray, saith the apostle, and so saith the heart of them that are Christians. Thou then art not a Christian that art not a praying person. The promise is that everyone that is righteous shall pray. Thou then art a wicked wretch that prayest not. Jacob got the name of Israel by wrestling with God, and all his children bear that name with him. But the people that forget prayer, that call not on the name of the Lord, they have prayer made for them, but it is such as this, Pour out thy fury upon the heathen, O Lord, and upon the families that call not on thy name. How likest thou this, O thou, that art so far from pouring out thy heart before God, that thou goest to bed like a dog, and risest like a hog or a sot, and forgettest to call upon God? What wilt thou do when thou shalt be damned in hell, because thou couldst not find in thine heart to ask for heaven? Who will grieve for thy sorrow, that didst not count mercy worth asking for? I tell thee, the ravens and the dogs shall rise up in judgment against thee, for they will, according to their kind, make signs and a noise for something to refresh them when they want it. But thou hast not the heart to ask for heaven, though thou must eternally perish in hell if thou hast it not. To this rebukes you that makes it your business to slight, mock at, and undervalue the spirit and praying by that. What will you do when God shall come to reckon for these things? You counted high treason to speak but a word against the king? Nay, you tremble at the thought of it, and yet, in the meantime, you will blaspheme the spirit of the Lord. Is God indeed to be dallied with, and will the end be pleasant unto you? Did God send his Holy Spirit into the hearts of his people to that end that you should taunt at it? Is this to serve God? And doth this demonstrate the reformation of your church? Nay, is it not the mark of implacable reprobates? Oh, fearful! Can you not be content to be damned for your sins against the law, but you must sin against the Holy Ghost? Must the holy, harmless, and undefiled Spirit of grace, the nature of God, the promise of Christ, the comforter of his children, that without which no man can do any service acceptable to the Father, must this, I say, be the burden of your song? To taunt, deride, and mock at? If God sent Korah and his company headlong to hell for speaking against Moses and Aaron, do you mock the Spirit of Christ and think to escape unpunished? Did you never read what God did to Ananias and Sapphira for telling but one lie against it? Also to Simon Magus for but undervaluing of it? Will thy sin be a virtue, or go unrewarded with vengeance that makest it thy business to rage against and oppose its office, service, and help that it giveth unto the children of God? It is a fearful thing to do despot to the spirit of grace. And three, as this is the doom of those who do openly blaspheme the Holy Ghost, 
in a way of disdain and reproach to its office and service. And so also it is sad for you who resist the spirit of prayer by a form of man's inventing. It is a very juggle of the devil that the traditions of men should be of better esteem and more to be owned than the spirit of prayer. What is this less than the accursed abomination of Jeroboam, which kept many from going to Jerusalem, the place and way of God's appointment to worship, and by that means brought such displeasure from God upon them as to this day is not appeased? One would think that God's judgments of old upon the hypocrites of that day should make them that have heard of such things take heed and fear to do so. Yet the doctors of our day are so far from taking of warning by the punishment of others that they do most desperately rush into the same transgression, namely to set up an institution of man, neither commanded nor commended of God. And whosoever will not obey herein, they must be driven either out of the land or the world. Hath God required these things at your hands? If he hath, show us where. If not, as I am sure he hath not, then what cursed presumption is it in any pope, bishop, or other to command that in the worship of God which he hath not required? Nay, further, it is not that part only of the form, which is several texts of Scripture that we are commanded to say, but even all must be confessed as the divine worship of God, notwithstanding those absurdities contained therein which because they are at large discovered by others, uh, I omit the rehearsal of them. Again, though a man be willing to live never so peaceably, yet because he cannot for conscience sake own that for, for one of the most eminent parts of God's worship, which he never commanded, therefore must that man be looked upon as factious, seditious, erroneous, heretical, a disparagement to the church, a seducer of the people, and what not? Lord, what will be the fruit of these things when for the doctrine of God there is imposed, that is, more than taught, the traditions of men? Thus is the spirit of prayer disowned and the form imposed, the spirit debased and the form extolled, they that pray with the Spirit, though never so humble and holy, are counted fanatics. And they that pray with the form, even though with that only, they are counted the virtuous. How will the favorers of such a practice answer that scripture, which commandeth that the church should turn away from such as have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof? And if I should say that men that do these things aforesaid do advance a form of prayer of other men's making above the spirit of prayer, it would not take long time to prove it. For he that advanceth the book of common prayer above the spirit of prayer, he doth advance a form of men's making above it. But this do all those who banish or desire to banish them that pray with the spirit of prayer while they hug and embrace them that pray by that form only, and that because they do it. 
Therefore they love and advance the form of their own or others inventing before the spirit of prayer, which is God's special and gracious appointment. If you desire more proof, look into the jails in England and into the alehouses of the same, and I trow you will find those that plead for the spirit of prayer in the jail and them that look after the form of men's inventions only in the alehouse, the bars. It is evident also by the silencing of God's dear ministers, though never so powerfully enabled by the spirit of prayer, if they in conscience cannot admit of that form of common prayer. If this be not an exalting the common prayer book above either praying by the Spirit or preaching the word, I have, I have taken my mark amiss. It is not pleasant for me to dwell on this. The Lord in mercy turn the hearts of the people to seek more after the Spirit of prayer and in the strength of that to pour out their souls before the Lord. Only let me say it is a sad sign that that which is one of the most eminent parts of the pretended worship of God is anti-Christian when it hath nothing but the tradition of men and the strength of persecution to uphold or plead for it. Conclusion, I shall conclude this discourse with this word of advice to all God's people. Number one, Believe that as sure as you are in the way of God, you must meet with temptations. Two, the first day, therefore, that thou dost enter into Christ's congregation, look for them. Three, when they do come, beg of God to carry thee through them. Four, be jealous of thine own heart, that it deceive thee not in thy evidences for heaven nor in thy walking with God in this world. Five, take heed of the flatteries of false brethren. Six, keep in the life and power of truth. Seven, look most at the things which are not seen. Eight, take heed of little sins. Nine, keep the promise warm upon thy heart. Ten, renew thy acts of faith in the blood of Christ. 11. Consider the work of thy generation. 12. Count to run with the foremost therein. Grace be with thee. Let me add, before we close today, that every time the word spirit is mentioned, the spirit of prayer, it's a capital S that Mr. Bunyan puts there. Just wanted you to know that. Well, thank you for listening. Please look around the site and find other audios featuring the church's great preachers. We have also some Bible studies that I put together, a blog and a place where you can actually purchase books that I've written through the years. If you desire more fellowship, please consider visiting my YouTube channel. It's called Pasture Lands. That's one word. Or contact me at bob.j.faulkner.72 at gmail.com and I'll share details about our local street ministry and our Zoom meeting on Saturday night for men only and then on Tuesdays at noon, a, a meeting for men and women where we discuss spiritual things and pray for one another. It's a good little group forming. And there's a couple of in-person churches we could go to if, we, if you are local or passing through here. Anyway, this is the Hackberry House of Chosun. It is, as you hear this for the first time, April 29. 
2022. And Lord willing, we'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.